Well, welcome. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at French Church, and we are glad that you're here for week one of our four-week sermon series investigating the case for Christ based on the movie that, as Gabe mentioned, came out on Friday, and it's at the theaters until this Wednesday uh, over at Great Lakes Theater near the mall, or the book. Uh, it's also based on the book of the same name by Lee Strobel. Lee, if you don't know who he is, was a um, young, avowed atheist who went on a search to investigate the claims of Christianity. And in doing that, he uh, searched far and wide over a two-year period. Now you say, well, so what makes him special? Well, he had some unique qualifications. Lee graduated from the University of Missouri with a degree in journalism. And then he graduated from Yale Law School and took those years of education and applied them to uh, investigative journalism for the Chicago Tribune, won awards as an investigative, investigative journalist at the Tribune, and uh, was then made the legal editor. So he comes with a lot of qualification. And at this point in his life, he was starting this search in 1979, from 1979 to 1981, to see if who Christ said he was was true, and if actually he being an atheist, if even if there was a God. And he began this actually then B.I. You know what B.I. is? Before internet. <laughs> yeah. How do we do our research now? <laughs> we Google it, right? No Googling for Lee Strobel. He had to go out and he had to do his research the way he would have researched a case that he was working on. And he went out and he... Uh, beat the bushes. He went across the nation to meet with, with uh, intellectuals, some skeptics, experts. He did his own research and came to the conclusions that he came to, and they weren't what he was looking for. In fact, he started off not as a case for Christ, but as a case against Christ. He started off trying to rescue his wife from her newfound faith. And so he began, and he had the ups and downs of someone who was looking to make a claim that this was false. And he couldn't do it. So today we're going to start this first message of this series, investigating the claims for Christ. And really talking about how we can investigate ourselves, the claims. But first we're going to look at a clip of the movie. In fact, in this clip, it's the beginning of the movie. And you'll see Lee sitting in the newsroom. He's sitting there and you can sense his frustration. In walks Kenny London. Kenny is the religion editor of the Chicago Tribune. Sensing that uh, his friend Lee is a little frustrated, he sees an opportunity to talk with him. And let's watch. What are you doing here? I thought you were banished. <laughs> hey, what's the matter? You people and your God, you just, you know, you talk in circles. You offer, you offer just enough evidence, but never enough to be conclusive. Then you fill in all the gaps with, oh, well, yeah, you just got to have faith. It's a bunch of nonsense. You're really irritating. You know that? <laughs> don't start with me, Kenny. You don't waste a lick of time bragging to all of us how great a reporter you are. So why can't you put up or shut up on this story? What are you even talking about? 
Here's where the chili meets the cheese, my friend. One of my heroes was C.S. Lewis, a man who began as a skeptic, much like yourself. At the end of his journey, you know what he said? He said, if Christianity is false, it's of zero importance. But if it's true, there's nothing more important in the entire universe. So you want your wife back? Well, hey, guess what? People in hell want ice water. Not everybody gets everything they want. Stop blaming me and the church and God and do your job. Stack up the evidence, follow the facts, and write the story, win or lose. So the journey begins. Have you ever had a conversation like that with somebody? Maybe you're in Kenny's shoes and there's somebody who's investigating, wanting to make a connection with God, but they come to a point, an obstacle, what we, what we might call a sticking point. There's something that just will not allow them to take that step of faith. Maybe you've been that place yourself. Maybe you're there now. You're, you're just, you, you want to believe and you want to take a step, you, but there's an obstacle in your life. How do you deal with that? Well, we're gonna look at a story in the Bible of someone that dealt with this sticking point in their lives. And it's from Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bibles with you, there's some in the pews in front of you. Acts chapter 8 is a story. In this, we meet um, a man who we know as Philip the Evangelist. And Philip is uh, given a very unusual uh, request or demand from an angel. An angel appears to him in chapter 8, verse 26, and says this. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, why would this have been unusual? Well, it have been unusual in several instances, but if you read what's going on here in Acts at this time, Acts had just come through, or the, the church had just come through an interesting period. They had had their first martyr. Stephen had been killed. The church was starting to be persecuted, which meant the Christians and the leaders and the one people like the evangelist Philip were being scattered. And so Philip takes off and he ends up in the city of Samaria, the half-breeds, the Samaritans. And he starts preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And lo and behold, people respond. People respond and they, 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 there starts to be a revival in the city of Samaria. So much so, news got back to Jerusalem, to the apostles. And if you read on there, they, in the early parts of chapter 8, it says they sent Peter and John down to check it out. So they sent Peter and John down and they say, yeah, this is real. In fact, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they says, no. So they pray and they receive the Holy Spirit and they say, this is real. God is doing a work in the Samaritans. Peter and John were so excited and the priest and, and they went back to tell the apostles at Jerusalem. But it says in the Bible, they stopped on the way and they preached in the cities of Samaria because the people were responding. And Philip stays there and he's preaching and people are finding Christ. And it says in there, they're rejoicing and all this. It's, it's a great time. And all of a sudden, an angel comes up and says, hey, get out of town. Oh, man, I'm having a good time. <laughs> I'm having a good time. It says, go south on the road, the desert road. A desert road? Going to Gaza? Nobody's there. Why, Lord, would you ask me to go out of here to Gaza? On that desert road, nobody. 
but he obeys. He obeys. And so he goes there, and I can, you can imagine waiting on this desert road for something to happen, somebody to come by. Lord, why am I here? And all of a sudden, maybe he hears and then sees a chariot coming, which would have been very interesting. You knew right away this was somebody special because the vast majority of folks, the, the common folk, would have been traveling on foot. The rich people would have been traveling, maybe riding an animal. If we were to say today, these, this, anybody with a chariot was the 1% of the one percenters. <laughs> uh, this was somebody important. In fact, the Bible tells us this was the Ethiopian eunuch. He was, in fact, he was in charge of the sect of the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia, which kind of meant he's the secretary of the treasury. So this man is somebody. He's been to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way back. The scripture tells us that he was reading aloud from the prophet Isaiah. And so here he is writing out loud from the, reading aloud from the prophet Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. He says, go up and get beside the chariot. So if you can imagine, here's the desert road, and a chariot comes by, and it's going, and, and the Holy Spirit says, Philip, get up there. So he gets up, and, and the chariot's going by, and here's Philip running, you know, keeping, keeping up with the chariot, and, and just kind of listening, and don't want to go too far there. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and, he, and, he, and he hears Isaiah 53. And so we pick it up in verse 30. He says this, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch replies, how can I? How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. He's at a sticking point here. He's got a problem. He's been presented with some information that he really doesn't understand. He's been seeking. He's a searcher. At French Church, we have our chairs out in the hallway out here. Uh, we have a first chair. It's a, it's a blue chair. And it's for one who is seeking Christ. And I think the... Ethiopian eunuch found himself as a blue chair sitter. Someone who's exploring Christ, seeking him, and he's there and he's in his chariot and he's reading aloud. He says, I don't understand. I have this sticking point. A lot of us have sticking points. A lot of us get stuck in a chair. And for some, it's that first chair of exploring Christ. I want to believe, I, I'd like to believe, mm, but there's something that just, uh, it's a concern, it's an issue, it's a problem. It's an obstacle to believing. And that's what he had. He had this obstacle. Today we're going to talk about some of the obstacles, maybe that would come into our lives. Maybe the obstacles that keep us from taking that step of faith. The sticking points that come in, stop our progress. The first one is this. The first sticking point is I can't believe. Have you ever met somebody like this or maybe this is you? I just can't believe that stuff. Come on, really? I can't believe that. Have you ever seen science? If you look at science and you look at the Bible, come on, I, that, that's, I just can't believe it. Or maybe it's, I, I can't believe it because I can't believe a God who lets bad things happen to good people or good things happen to bad people. How could God let this happen to my son or daughter when I see evil people prospering? Uh-uh, 
I can't believe in a God like that. Or, wait a minute, I'm a guy who goes with facts, figures. Uh, you know, if, if I got to be able to test it. Kind of like Strobel in the video there says, you Christians, y'all, y'all give just enough evidence, but then you get to the point where uh, you got to get faith. Now, I got to have evidence. Some of us are like that. That's our sticking point. Or maybe this, I prayed and no one answered. Nothing changed. You talk about God, I prayed and, and nothing happened. I don't believe it. Hogwash. And we see people like that all the time. Well, how do you deal with your sticking points, especially when it's an intellectual issue like this? You might remember somebody who had that sticking point. He was Jesus' disciple, Thomas, after the resurrection. Intellectually, he could not fathom that this actually occurred. In fact, here it says in John 20, 25, he said, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put the hand into his side, I will not believe. I won't. I got to have the intellectual evidence. Well, what can we do in this case? Here's something I would encourage you to do. Don't let your sticking point become your stopping point. Don't let the sticking point, whatever it is in your life, become a stopping point because that's not what the Ethiopian uh, did. He, 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 he was actively searching. He didn't say, well, I don't understand that and throw it aside. You know, he was reading Isaiah. Now, can anybody, does anybody here have a real problem with him saying he doesn't understand Isaiah? I mean, here's an Ethiopian. He's, he's got this scripture in front of him. And, you know, if you read the first part of Isaiah, it's, it's about servant, but but the servant is the Israel nation. And he, all of a sudden, they're talking about servant, but it's this guy who's suffering. What is this? I don't understand. Can you blame him? But he says, how can I unless someone explains it? He kept asking. He kept searching. He didn't let the sticking point become a stopping point. He said, can you explain it to me? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what this Ethiopian was doing. He was seeking God with all his heart. Do you know when he made that trip from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem to go into the temple to worship? He was a Gentile. He couldn't go in in certain parts of the temple. He couldn't offer certain sacrifices. In fact, being a eunuch, he could not even be proselytized as a Jew. So here he is with disadvantages, but yet reading and saying, I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on seeking. So many people let their sticking point become their stopping point and don't continue to seek. God is not into playing hide and seek with people. In fact, in Proverbs 8, 17, he says, those who seek me will find me. Keep seeking. Keep seeking. There's a man, his name was Vigo Olson. He had a wife, Joan, and together they were, some, they were the, one of the first Christian missionaries in Bangladesh. Uh, Vigo's about 90 years old now. Uh, he wrote a book. He was an agnostic, a lot like uh, Strobel. He wrote a book called The Agnostic Who Dared to Search. He was a brilliant surgeon, nationally renowned for his surgical skills, was uh, all across the country and would write and would, and would perform surgery. And, and him and his wife both thought, this, 
this is too crazy to be true. It's got to be based on mythology. And like Strohwey started doing their own research and they started studying and they came to this conclusion that it's, it's got to be true. In fact, in his book, um, a little, uh, he writes this in, adva- in the book, Who Dared to Search, he says, and advances in many areas of science point powerfully and persuasively toward a creator who looks a lot like the God in the Bible. The more you look into it, you know, so many people look out to science and they say, whoa, it doesn't add up and stop. And, but they said they kept looking. They applied their skills and they, they followed science and they said, the more and more we got into it, the more and more this creator that, that science pointed to looked a lot like this God that's in the Bible. Francis Collins, Dr. Francis Collins, is the director of the National Institute of Health. He has this to say. He said, I believe God did intend, in giving us intelligence, to give us the opportunity to investigate and appreciate the wonders of his creation. He is not threatened by our scientific adventures. God is not threatened by our scientific adventures. The case for God The case for creation, the case for Christ, the case for the resurrection, stand up to scientific scrutiny when you don't let the sticking point become a stopping point and continue to look. Not only in science, but in history. Some people say, ah, the history, the records, you can't believe stuff back then. We'll talk about this more coming up in the next few weeks. But the historical records... Not only indicate, as we've talked the last few weeks, that Christ existed, but that he rose from the dead. There's another gentleman. His name was Sir Lionel Luckhoo. He was an attorney. In fact, he was known as the greatest attorney to ever live. In 1990, the Guinness Book of World's Record gave him that title. They said he is the greatest attorney in the world. You know why? He won, get this, 245 consecutive murder defenses. His, his, his client was acquitted of murder, 245 consecutive cases. Man, that's, if I ever murdered somebody, that's a guy I'd want on mic. No, no. <laughs> no. Wow, 245 acquittals in a row. And he was a skeptic, an agnostic, leaning towards atheism. And he took a study and he says, he took his legal skills and he said, I'm gonna apply them to studying history. Does it make sense? Does it add up? In his booklet, The Question Answer, Did Jesus Rise from the Dead? He says this, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. No room for doubt. Here's an attorney used to using the words reasonable doubt. He said, no room for doubt. Lee Strobel himself says this, I applied the training I received at Yale Law School, as well as my experience as legal affairs editor of the Chicago Tribune, and over time, the evidence of the world, of history, of science, of philosophy, of psychology, they began to point toward the unthinkable. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. What do you do if this is your sticking point? What if intellectually you've just had a hard time with this whole thing of religion and 
God and especially Jesus. If you've been in a classroom in a secular, secular world, you've probably been challenged on this at some point in time. If you've been to a college, you most certainly have a secular college anyway. What do you do if this is an issue? Well, I would say, first of all, stick with us for a few more weeks as we go through this series. Next week, we're going to be exploring the actual evidence. What is that evidence and, and what is it, how does it, how, how do we look at it today? We'll be exploring that. Come stick with us. Tonight, come tonight, see, you'll be challenged in your mind as you hear the musical and you hear the message that's being shared there. Um, the other thing you can do is go see the movie Case for Christ. You know what? It plays through Wednesday. We, we bought a theater uh, the Wednesday afterwards. We were able to get for a theater. We had 87 seats. We sold out those before the first service started. <laughs> But if you're disappointed and you're not going to be able to get to the theater this week, we, we thought this might be an issue after hearing excitement from people. We called up and he's given us Tuesday or Thursday or both, too, if we need them. So afterwards, if you want to go out, there's a sign up and we'll get you signed up and that's the week after. But they're special just for our church and uh, we have one sold out already and looking forward, you can do that and I encourage you to, to do that. But go see the movie. It'll challenge you. But do your own research. Do your own research. You know, I got just several things here. In fact, we have a supply of these. This is the case for Easter. It's just a little bit of a snippet out of the case for Christ. If, if you're questioning, or you know someone is question, questioning, take one of these and give it to a friend. They're out at guest services. If you want a classic, C.S. Lewis, we've talked about this before, Mere Christianity, talks about uh, believing in, the, in Christ and, and, and believing in God, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Uh, I mentioned before, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a verdict. This is volume one out of two ver- volumes. Take them, read them, study them. Does, does, is, the, is, the, is the verdict yes or is the verdict no? It demands a verdict. Finally, if you like something, well, you say, I, th- I like something a little more modern, a little more fresh. Tim Keller has written two new books, The Reason for God and Making Sense of God. I encourage you, take these books, read them, uh, find out, do your research on your own, but be careful because where do we do most of our research now? On the internet? There's, there's some good things on the internet if you know where to find them. There's a lot of things too that even some people who are Christian writers write that come under the theological term as kooky. <laughs> you know, just not quite, that's not quite there. We would say, eh, a little left of center maybe a little bit there, or a little right of center, you know, just not right on. So be careful when you do research. You stick with things like this, books like this, writers that are trusted. You, you, you can be sure you're getting uh, exactly what the Lord wants you to get along, of course, with reading his word. Encourage you to do that. So the first sticking point is that intellectual sticking point of I can't believe. The second sticking point is this point of I don't want to believe. You know, the problem is sometimes we just don't want to believe. One of the reasons is because it's, we think it's going to ask us to change our lives a little bit. And it's indeed, there may be some things in our life that we need to give up. There may be a sticking point. I don't, I don't want this to be true because I may have to stop this adulterous relationship. I may have to stop cheating my, my uh, business partners and, and customers. I may have to change my life. I don't want to believe. I don't want to believe. Sometimes they mask and we mask that in intellectual, but it's really, a, it's really an emotional, it's really a heart thing. There was a story that was told in all the 
Synoptic Gospels about a man who had this issue. We call him the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus. He wanted to believe. He was, he was in his first chair. He was a seeker. And he said, hey, Lord, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, you got to don't kill, uh, uh, don't steal, um, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother and all those things. And, and he looked at him and he said, well, I've done all those. And Jesus looked at him and I think, Jesus, if we could use the terminology we're looking today, I think he would say, ah, you got a sticking point, don't you? <laughs> you got something that's coming between you and really following me. It's your money. You know, Jesus didn't ask everybody to give up their money because that's not everybody's sticking point. What's your sticking point this morning? Unfortunately, it says in that story that this rich man loved his money so much that it grieved him to do that, and he went away sad. Traded away his treasures, refused to trade away his treasures for treasures in heaven. Money can be a sticking point. Our lifestyles can be a sticking point. It's just we get to a point where we say, I really don't want to give up. But you know, I, boy, I don't know. I, I, can, I think I can say I've never known anybody that's been in that point in their lives that have regretted making a trade-off. The trade-off of their, what their sticking point is for these treasures in heaven, for what God has to offer. Let, think about it. If, if you're this morning caught in this, I don't want to give up, I'm in this situation, play it out in your minds. Where are you going to be 10, 20, 30 years from now following that path? Where is that path taking you? I know where the path that follows Christ goes. I know what he does for his children. Here's a few things. How about this? Forgiveness, adventure, clear conscience, security, guidance, hope, fulfillment, relationship, comfort, peace of mind, release from guilt, power to overcome self-destructive impulses, the promises of eternity. When we don't let that sticking point of I don't want to become a stopping point. He offers so much more, but it, it's, it's real. In fact, Lee Strobel even admitted it was real. When talking about his wife, he said this, Leslie stunned me in the autumn of 1979 by announcing that she'd become a Christian. I rolled my eyes and braced for the worst, feeling like a victim of a bait and switch scam. I'd married one Leslie, the fun Leslie, the carefree Leslie, the risk-taking Leslie. And now I feared she was going to turn into some sort of sexually repressed prude who would trade our upward mobile lifestyle for all-night prayer vigils and volunteer work in grimy soup kitchens. There was as much I don't want to believe in Lee's Strobel as there was I can't believe. You know what he said, though? He says, instead, I was pleasantly surprised, even fascinated, by the fundamental changes in her character, her integrity, and her personal confidence. Eventually, I wanted to get to the bottom of what was prompting these subtle but significant shifts in my wife's attitudes. So I launched this all-out investigation. Her character, her integrity, her self-confidence. When she traded her sticking point for Jesus Christ. Psalm 34, 38 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Give it a try. 
Well, there are those who can't. There are those who won't. And then there are those, number three, they just don't know what to believe. That's a lot of people today. Wow, you're telling me this, you're telling me that. This guy tells me this, this guy tells me that. I read this version of the Bible, I read that version of the Bible, I go to this denomination, I go to that denomination. It's all so confusing. And then you start trying to read the book of Leviticus. And you say, I really don't know what to believe. Let's look back at the Ethiopian official. The sticking point for him was he arrived at Isaiah 53. Who is this guy? Who is this man of sorrows? Who is this who's going to suffer? Who's going to die? Who's going to see life again? What, what in the world is this? Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture, with that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news of Jesus. He kept pushing. He kept pushing. Even though he didn't understand, tell me, tell me. He didn't understand, so he went to a growth group, right? <laughs> he got involved with other Christians, and he says, help me out here. Well, here, the only other Christian around was Philip. And he went to him, he says, help me understand who he's talking about. And you know, today there is so much that's confusing. And we have people that look at the Bible with good intentions. And we differ a little bit on what does this mean and what does that mean? I mean, this book was written, it's, in, it's written 2,000 years ago to a society very different than we are. How do we apply it today? And we have differences. But there are certain things of which there is no misunderstanding. There are certain principles in this Bible that we all agree to. We start off in Genesis 1.1. It was God who created the heavens and the earth. There's no question. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out what that's saying. God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.27 says God created man in his own image. You and I were created in the image of God. No confusion about that. Unfortunately, Romans 3.23 tells us that the man, us, sinned. And we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, and the wages of those sins is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. No dispute, no question on what he's saying there. And then finally this, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the good news that Philip told this Ethiopian leader. Finally, there's one final sticking point. Sticking point number four, I don't believe or I do believe, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? You know, head knowledge is wonderful. We can study the Bible. We can know lots of things. But the Bible says, even the demons, in fact, in James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God? Even the demons believe that and shudder. We're told in John 1.12, it's not enough to just nod our heads, yes. But yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
The fourth step is to believe plus receive equals become. The fourth step is taking my belief in Jesus, receiving him and becoming a child of God. That's exactly what this Ethiopian official did. We close in Acts 8, verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. He believed, he received, and he became a child of God. This is the first recorded full Gentile conversion in the Bible, in the New Testament. The Samaritans were half-breeds. This was the first full Gentile. Went to Ethiopia and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't let a sticking point become his stopping point. What he didn't understand, what didn't seem real, what, what seemed crazy, he kept pushing, he kept pushing, he kept seeking. Seek me, I will be found. I will be found. Keep seeking. Let's stand together. As we pray, I encourage you to... Um, Examine your life, and maybe there's a sticking point you have this morning. Don't let that sticking point become your stopping point. Keep pushing through. Keep asking questions. Go to good Christians. Say, I need help here. Get a good book. Go to the movie. Come tonight. Do whatever you need to do. But keep pushing through. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we have your word for this story that speaks to us, of somebody who did not give up, of somebody who sought you in crazy circumstances. Lord, we thank you for putting Philip there and for the Philips you've put in our lives and for the times you've allowed us to be Philip in other people's lives. Maybe there's some here this morning that said, yeah, I'm, I'm in this first chair. I'm, I'm exploring Christ, but I haven't made a commitment yet. You can do that right there in your seat. If that's you, if you said, my sticking point has been some of these things and I'm ready to take that trust in Jesus Christ, would you pray this prayer? Just make it your own with me this morning. It goes like this. I, I don't know everything about you, but this much I believe. I am a sinner and your son is my savior. I confess the sin in my life and reach out to receive the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased for me on the cross. I want to become your beloved child. Thank you for your grace. Now please fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead my life from this day forward. Amen. If you're still struggling or maybe you're searching, maybe you're one of these people that just have this obstacle, this sticking point, I do encourage you to do a few things. Come back tonight. Come back for our series as we continue on the case for Christ. Uh, this week, 
Friday, Good Friday, we'll be here and we'll be remembering the crucifixion, Christ's sacrifice from 11 to 2. Great time to come together. Go see the movie. You have till Wednesday or sign up and we'll get you next the week after. Love to do that. But whatever you do, just keep on, keep on, keep on. Don't let that sticking point become your stopping point. Encourage you to go this week. You know, we didn't take our offering because we didn't want all the ushers running into these kids. I <laughs> um, encourage you as you go to, our ushers will be at the back with offering plates. Also in the back too, in the lobby is a, a white table with a white tablecloth on it. Be a cross bearer. If you can help with our uh, program for our uh, single mothers, we, we buy gifts and we bring them next week at Easter. You can just pick up a name, go get a $25 gift certificate, bring it back. But there's names and, and ages out there. You can stop and pick that up at the table. Go, serve the Lord, and let's come back next Easter, next Sunday Easter, 9.30, 11. And if you can do 12.30, that will help us in some of our other services. So 12.30 12.30 also. Uh, we'll see you then. Go in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. <laughs>